Welcome to the Nurse and Midwife Support Podcast, Your Health Matters. I'm Mark Aiken, the podcast host. I'm the Stakeholder Engagement Manager with Nurse and Midwife Support, and I'm a registered nurse. Nurse and Midwife Support is the national support service for nurses, midwives and students. The service is anonymous, confidential and free, and you can call us anytime you need support. 1-800-667-877 or contact us via the website nmsupport.org.au On this episode of the Your Health Matters podcast, we will discuss supporting nurses, midwives and students with substance dependency or problematic substance use and the complex issues that surround it. My guest to do this is Dr Adam Searby, Lecturer, School of Nursing and Midwifery, Faculty of Health, Deakin University, and President, Drug and Alcohol Nurses of Australasia, Dana. Hello and welcome, Adam. Thanks, Mark, and thanks for having me. It's um, really good to be invited to speak on this podcast on such an important issue. Uh, well, we're very pleased to have you and grateful, Adam, to have you here discussing, as I said, this really important issue and this area of interest for nurses and midwives and those who support us. So could you tell our audience uh, a bit about yourself, Adam, and um, why you have a particular interest in this area? Sure. So I started as a nurse in 2008. That was my graduate. And I probably took a little bit of a strange path to get here. I started in a neurosurgery and neurotrauma ward, really had a kind of set idea about where I wanted to go and followed the critical care pathway into intensive care, but very quickly realised that it wasn't for me. So I was more interested in the behaviours rather than the critical care aspect of working in that environment. So I made the kind of big leap, and it probably seems like a really big leap for those that work in ICU, to work in an inpatient mental health unit, probably one of the busiest in the state, which was a big shock coming from an intensive care unit to work there but um, never looked back really I moved into the community to work into the older adult mental health and it was these settings really that I started to see the burden of what we call dual diagnosis which is people with a mental illness and alcohol and drug use disorders that really kind of piqued my interest in drug and alcohol nursing as well as the models of care we provide for people who present with drug and alcohol issues went to Turning Point and did a graduate diploma in drug and alcohol nursing to go further, which then again led me into a PhD looking at dual diagnosis in older people. And I've got to be honest, I had absolutely no idea what I was going to do with it, but it kind of led me to work into a couple of other drug and alcohol settings as well. So really, like most people, as we've found out talking to drug and alcohol nurses, fell into drug and alcohol nursing. And I also then fell into academia when I finished my PhD. I had no real idea what I wanted to do with it. It kind of fell into academia when I finished it and a job came up along the way, teaching both mental health and, and drug and alcohol. And I was probably the same with Dana. I met them in a conference. I'd been to a couple of conferences locally beforehand, but the committee bumped into them in, of all places, Florida and the United States. There was a big international nurses conference over there on drug and alcohol. Half their committee was there and my kids had begged me to take them over there. So kind of fell into Dana there and the rest is history as they say I'm now the current president 
what an interesting career, Adam. And I think a lot of nurses and midwives listening to the podcast will relate um, that they fell into their jobs. And um, that's certainly been the case for me in many of my positions too. So great to hear your story. I know a lot of people listening, Adam, will be interested in Jana and how Jana membership supports nurses and midwives. And I know you've recently released a position statement, problematic substance use by nurses and midwives. Could you talk a bit about Jana and the, um, the position statement, please, Adam? Certainly. So Dana is the peak organisation for nurses with a professional interest in alcohol and other drug issues. I think that's our official line. That's what we put on the banners anyway. But the reality is we've got a really broad membership. So we obviously cover drug and alcohol nurses and nurse practitioners, but we also have a lot of nurses and midwives working outside those traditional drug and alcohol areas who work with people who use alcohol and other drugs. So up until the recent pandemic and like lots of organizations we ran a fantastic conference that had great events networking and a coffee cart i'd like to say that's my input into dana being from melbourne but like everyone else we've had to put those off for a bit so we're hoping to get back to those next year we've done the webinar thing a little bit but we've been steering away from it as we we're talking about just before we started mark everyone's got zoom fatigue so it's getting a little bit difficult for people to kind of sit in front of their computer for webinars but also done some research work in how nurses work with people who use alcohol and other drugs and most of our initiatives really stem from this to provide scholarships for drug and alcohol nurses looking to take the step further and become nurse practitioners which is a real growth area in our specialty mentor programs for nurse treatment and prescribing and we've also partnered with a lot of organizations to deliver alcohol and other drug information to those so-called non-drug and alcohol nurses but who are still working with people with drug and alcohol issues in their practice, which I think we could probably argue is a lot of us, particularly if you work in areas like um, emergency or mental health. But our position statement really sprung from a lot of the work that was done by the International Nurses Society of Addictions in the United States, a really lovely position statement around treating our own, basically. We have fantastic members who work in this space and often talk about treating our own. So drug and alcohol nurses treating other nurses. So we were really looking to provide some guidance and move away from that kind of punitive approach that we've often seen in Australia, unfortunately, to a more supported approach that we were seeing emerge in the States. It was really about self-reporting, getting help to remain in practice. Yeah, it's a really interesting document, Adam. So thanks for sharing that information. We will add the link to it and to the Jana website as part of the show notes for this podcast. And if you're interested, you can access that. And I would re highly recommend that every nurse and midwife and student have a look at that position statement. There's some very useful information and useful links for how you can access support. And part of that support, and thanks for including it, Adam, is nurse and midwife support. So if any nurse, midwife or student listening to the podcast is concerned about their problematic substance use or dependency, please contact nurse and midwife support, 1-800-667-877 or via the website, nmsupport.org.au. We're here to support you. Adam, could you talk a bit about the incidence of substance dependency in the nursing midwifery professions, please? Sure, I've got to say that this is a bit of a difficult question to answer. So 
well, this surprised me anyway when I started looking. There's very little research data. There's a couple of older papers that have really small samples. Um, one looks at about 60 across three countries. Another one, about 10 years old, looked across a big group of nurses and doctors, and they kind of quote around 10% nurses and midwives with what they consider problematic alcohol use. In terms of substance use, we're really in the dark. So there hasn't been a lot of research done at all around substance use. We can look at the National Household Drug Survey data, but we all get lumped in with health professionals and reported as a group, all health professionals. So you can imagine it's really difficult then to tease out nurses' attitudes and drug and alcohol use from those of, say, optometrists where you're in a, a big group. But that tends to mirror that 10% around alcohol use. So we've recently partnered, Deakin University, with the Nurse and Midwife Health Program in Victoria to launch a study into alcohol consumption among Australian nurses. So we're pretty advanced into this study and we're kind of in the tail end of running a national survey. So we've had almost 1,300 participants respond to the survey to date using the audit screening tool, which some listeners might've heard of before and have probably used in clinical practice, the alcohol use disorders identification test, I think it stands for. It's a really good standardized test. that's really specific in picking up risky drinking. So we asked our participants to do that. And as you mentioned before, Mark, some, um, some work around stress as well, looking at the stress that's going on in the profession at the moment. And the rates we got out of that, which is really concerning to me, was a lot beyond the 10%. So we're looking at 27% who on that audit tool have a, a designation of risk or high-risk drinking. 32% of participants, sorry, reported that their alcohol consumption had increased since the beginning of this COVID-19 pandemic we're going through. And probably not surprisingly, 61% reported that their work stress had increased as well in the pandemic. So they're preliminary results, but they do indicate to us that there's a big impact on nurse and midwife mental health and alcohol consumption at the moment, particularly in the wake of what we're seeing going on in the community. And we certainly know that the work we're doing at the moment, nurses and midwives, it's a really tough gig and that seems to show through in our research. At the moment, we're doing some interviews as well. We've just finished the first round of interviews to explore this, and there's lots of this coming out and the discussion, people talking about the level of stress, you know, coping with, with what's happening at the moment, PPE, you know, this uncertain case numbers, watching these numbers every day, what's going to happen to the health system. We're really seeing it playing out in the media at the moment, but it was certainly echoed in our research. Yeah, it's really interesting, Adam, to get information on that and to put in the context of the COVID-19 pandemic which has obviously challenged and stressed nurses and midwives and continues to challenge and stress nurses and midwives in perhaps ways we never thought we would be stressed and challenged. And just to create a bit of context, we're recording this on the 30th of September, 2021. And we're certainly very much in Melbourne and in Sydney and parts of New South Wales and also parts of Victoria in the eye of the storm of the pandemic. So just a big shout out to all the nurses and midwives working incredibly hard to care for those impacted by the pandemic. And a reminder to look after yourselves and each other because your health matters. And if you need support, as I said before, please contact nurse and midwife support. 
1-800-667-877 or via the website nmsupport.org.au. Adam, why is substance dependence in the nursing midwifery professions a concern? Like, why should we, we be worried about? Um, I've got to say that, look, Ad, we've really set out not to, to kind of demonise the practice of social drinking among nurses. But I think, as I, I just mentioned, this is preliminary data, but there does seem to be a link between this increasing work stress and alcohol consumption. We've got lots of research that exists that shows that this is the case in other industries. And lots of this stuff was done pre-pandemic in a so-called more normal world. And we can all think back to kind of 2019 and think we didn't know what was coming, right? You know, this has been a huge kind of shake-up, particularly for our industry. But really, this is the first work we could find that was looking at nurses and midwives. And given that we've started it in amongst the pandemic, it kind of reflects just how difficult it's getting, the situation's getting for us. And as you mentioned before, Mark, I mean, we're sitting here and I think today was the highest number of cases in Victoria, over 1,400. Yeah, that's right. I heard that this morning on the news and immediately thought of my colleagues who were at the coalface, as we say, you know, this is kind of real shattering news if you think about how we've been trying to control the pandemic and it's going to have a big flow on effect to, to what people are doing in health services. So this is a, a big concern and I think it does show that there's a link and hence the importance of, of recognising problematic, particularly alcohol use, let's say, in nurses. It seems to be amongst our survey participants that lots of people are using this as a coping mechanism and, you know, in lieu of other methods, I don't kind of want to go out there and say nobody does this but I know there's a history in nursing of really saying you know this is what we have to put up with in nursing and a lack of critical incident debriefing where we've kind of filled that void with that informal debrief where we head off to the pub after work I know Mark and I have had this discussion you know we can name the pubs we used to go to close to the hospitals we used to work in so I think most nurses could do that and it's just really recognizing this can become a pattern that can not only impact on work performance but people's personal lives as well yeah good points adam and in many ways that was like um normalized that after a difficult shift or a challenging kind of work period we'd kind of all get together at the pub and use it as a form of you know support and debriefing and in a way it was a badge of honor that you still got up the next day and went to work and I know there's some really interesting research that a researcher in New Zealand has done on nurses and midwives working with a hangover and the impact of that on safety. Are you able to um, talk about that or point to that research, please, Adam? Uh, yeah, it's a, a colleague, I think, in Dana who has done the research as part of a PhD study, but it's kind of exists as a PhD study rather than being published, which is a bit unfortunate because it's a really good study and really interesting outcome to say that nurses were turning up, you know, hungover. We often think of drug and alcohol use in nursing and midwifery, and we hear stories in our professions about inverted commas here, the nurse who was caught stealing drugs, schedule eight drugs from work. But we don't really hear as much about, about this, the nurse who turns up to work after a big night out, impaired by substances, or hungover. And as I mentioned before, we don't really hear about nurses and midwives who have experienced a critical event without that adequate support. 
and they've turned to drugs and alcohol to cope. If we think about how we would address this and barriers to implementing any sort of intervention to drug and alcohol use here, just taking it a step further from just kind of recognising there's an issue and thinking about how we'd manage it across our profession. It seems that, and I'm guilty of this as well, we're really good at providing advice to our patients or clients, consumers on their drug and alcohol use, but we're not as great at taking that advice ourselves. And again, we kind of fall into this super nurse wearing the cape. It's almost a badge of honour that we selflessly look after people. This is really what we've seen in the pandemic as well. We've kind of been the last profession to be recognised in terms of work stress. That's a little bit of my take on it. Again, press conference before where we've got the 1400 cases, nurses were mentioned frequently, but I can't really remember a point where we've kind of gathered so much media attention as a standalone profession and the impact of this on us. So there is that, that notion that we just get on with it, deal with it. This is what we put up with. Yeah, and as you say, Adam, many nurses um, and midwives are going home after a stressful shift and um, and having that, you know, glass or two or three or four of, of wine as a way to decompress and to relax. What would you say to a nurse or a midwife who is kind of doing that and perhaps having one too many at the end of a shift and what they could potentially do instead of... Um, you know, ending up drinking the whole bottle of wine. I'd say that when we did the audit, the alcohol use disorders identification test, I did do a little pilot with a few of my colleagues and I called this almost a realisation. Lots of them filled it out and didn't really think about having that three or four glasses of wine after a shift as being considered uh, risky drinking amongst the audit. So I think there, there's kind of a minimization of that and again I, I come back to that that thought that I don't want to demonize people's social drinking I think you know as nurses we've all gotten together with colleagues and kind of chew the fat about work and and the, the world in general and what's going on and we're not trying to demonize that but I think as a coping strategy we saw this a lot in the research that a few people realized that their consumption had escalated certainly in the context of, of um, COVID PPE other things we see going around like redeployment, you know, off to testing, moved out of your specialty, those kind of things. Fear of redundancy, even colleagues, nurses who are working in other areas, support areas, education are all facing this as well. So there's lots of stresses out there. But my advice would be to, to contact uh, the good people at Nurse and Midwife Support or the Victorian Nurse and Midwife Health Programme even for advice. I mean, if you're concerned about it and if you're thinking this could be an issue for me, I know there's plenty of information on both of those websites that you can look at and, and see some strategies around managing it. In our qualitative interviews, we certainly did talk to some people who have been down this road experiencing lots of stress at work and their drinking had escalated from one to three or four a night, as you mentioned before, Mark, to being really quite what we consider problematic in one of another word, so daily impacting on work performance and, and other roles. So I would encourage people to, if they're concerned, to, to seek help early. Yeah, reach out for support, 1-800-667-877-247. The service is anonymous, confidential and free. And I think you made a really good point before, Adam, where you said it's really useful to undertake the audit screening survey about alcohol use. And that is available on the Nurse and Midwife Support website. 
So if you go into the website, nmsupport.org.au, and you search alcohol, you'll find um, that screening tool in the content. And we'll put the link to that in the show notes. So why do you think, Adam, it's um, important for nurses and midwives with concerns about their alcohol or substance um, use to seek support early? And what do you think might be some of the barriers that would stop people from doing that? Uh, As I mentioned, with seeking support early. So uh, just before COVID hit, I had the opportunity to go to an international nurses conference in Baltimore in the United States. And I met a nurse over there, so-called impaired nurse, who described a story of basically being really high performing at work and being under a lot of stress and kind of progressing from being prescribed opiates to the other end of the scale, which was diverting opiates and injecting them at work. And this came to attention by her being found overdosed at work, basically needed the work. Snarkan ended up in her own emergency department. You know, this had come out to her family and she spoke really well. I was kind of fortunate to hear this story. I'd, it was kind of really opened my eyes to, to what nurses go through in this situation. But she spoke about the financial cost to this, the cost to her relationship. Her husband wasn't aware of this happening. None of her family were aware of it happening. You know, husband got the phone call about the overdose, the cost to her professional career and the amount of monitoring and programs she had to go to, which of course in the United States came all out of her own pocket and just the work she had to do to get back into the profession. And the real take home message from her was seeking help early and having a culture where people can seek help early is vital to prevent a lot of this happening. It was really eye-opening to hear how much money she'd spent just to maintain her career. And again, this is the United States, so as we know, healthcare is a lot more expensive, as is you know, legal fees and the like. But I think it really un- highlights why it's important to seek help early. Getting help and support early can prevent a lot of these things happening. And that's a very extreme example in that it's you know someone diverting drugs from work. Just said that tend to be the stories that we hear going around hospitals um, about people diverting drugs being discovered overdosed or worse and crashed cars with food full of drugs and those kind of stories that I'm sure get really built up as they get passed along. But um, in this instance, it was an actual story of this happening and an event that had happened that had really derailed her career. And she was really supportive and pushing this kind of, it's really important to get help early. So that would be my my kind of take home message there just to use that steal from her little story she does have a podcast where she talks about this at length professionals in recovery i think it's called her name is rachel schuster so she sits on the board of a group called insa and if you're curious to hear about that story it's a great podcast she tells it in complete absolute no holds barred honesty how she got there the impact it had on her and i think it's um for people who are working in this space treating nurses it's certainly a a real eye-opener to hear that kind of gone on a bit of a tangent there, but coming back, seeking help. And I think now, especially we're going through a really unprecedented time. I keep talking about this, but um, lately we've started seeing things like, you know, health professionals not being able to go to work in the uniform because they're being abused, spat on, sworn at, people being assaulted in COVID testing stations. You know, I'm hearing from colleagues who, who work in the big healthcare services about 
Code Grey is aggression, violence really kind of bubbling up and almost becoming unprecedented in some of those health services. So it's it's natural that we'd experience heaps of stress and as humans, there's got to be an outlet to manage that stress. And I think that's why if you're feeling that way, it's um, there is support out there and I definitely recommend you get that support early rather than it getting to the point where you're you're facing you know, loss of registration, basically. It's a real fear for us in this situation, but um, if it goes that far, this is a, a possibility. You can lose your registration in your career. But um, I do know, and again, to to talk back to, to Mark's group, Nurse and Midwife Support and the Victorian Program, they're very good in navigating this pathway if you seek help from them early. Yeah, the really important point, Adam, and I think um, what that goes to our is really the complexity of the issue for people, but also the importance that we see substance dependency or problematic um, alcohol substance use as a health issue rather than a lifestyle issue. And that if we're aware of a colleague with a problematic substance dependency issue, that we really manage that in a very collegial, supportive, caring way. Um, because I think over the years, people have been reported, but they haven't felt supported. So while we have a role in reporting, particularly if that is occurring at work, or people are working under the influence of alcohol and or other drugs, that people are supported through the process of notification. And just to go back to the barriers, I think um, there's still a lot of stigma around that so-called impaired practitioner that we see in our APRA documents. Lots of fear around losing a registration, as I mentioned, but there's hefty penalties to pay. I mean, our National Act, our registration scheme really talks about where it's really swayed towards healthcare consumers and protecting healthcare consumers, which is, of course, important very important consideration. But I think it's really created fear of early reporting or seeking help, not just for drugs and alcohol, but any form of mental health before. And I use that analogy of the super nurse wearing the cape, selflessly caring for others, you know, pushing my mental health and how I feel to one side while I get in there and I kind of get my PPE on and I work with people with COVID coming in through the door, you know, increased demand. I think it sadly still exists in lots of clinical areas. And I really feel that we're, we're due for a culture change just to steal from a mental health campaign for the general public that was on recently. I really think we need to start asking each other, are you okay, a little bit more. Yeah, absolutely, Adam. And I wrote a blog for Are You Okay, Jay? And I, I, in that blog, I said, absolutely, we need to have each other's backs and and look out for each other and ask that question. Are you okay? But it's really vital at the moment that we actually take a moment to check in with ourselves and ask ourselves that question, am I okay? And I want to really put that out to nurses and midwives to just take a moment and check in with yourself and ask, am I okay? And if you're not okay, please reach out for support. 1-800-667-877. I think you've mentioned two really important points here, Adam. One is I think that the fear people have of disclosing or admitting that they think they might have an issue and also 
the shame that people experience as a result of perhaps being labelled as having a drug or alcohol problem or addiction. Can you talk a bit about the experience of shame for people and how they perhaps can manage that or reflect on it and then seek support? I think this hits back to the the stigma, you know, and the stories we hear are really, I think I mentioned this already, are really around, you know, theft of drugs, people turning up really impaired and putting patients at danger. And certainly working as a drug and alcohol nurse, when I worked with nurses, it was really nurses who had been caught rather than had self-reported. And they openly described this shame to you. In our interviews as well, we saw this come through. There was a real kind of um, disconnect for people who realised there was one participant who spoke about working in a gastroenterology ward while having a really heavy alcohol use disorder, I suppose you could probably call it if we were to diagnose it. And that real disconnect between I know what I'm doing is really bad for me, but looking after people as well who were in end-stage liver failure as a result of drinking So that jarring experience of going, you know, this could be me, but how do I seek help? So this person talked about really having that that realisation, but how do I seek help? So um, there certainly is a real stigma around reporting. And I think it, again, goes back to our culture of just get on with it. This is what we do. We often do that in lots of other areas, you know, patient assaulted me, I just get back on with it. This happens to nurses. It's a shame, but this is what we do. And it almost comes across as a bit of weakness, doesn't it? To put your hand up and say, I'm not okay and I need help. And I think we need a real cultural shift. I'm really hoping that this is one of the silver linings out of what's going on at the moment is that we do have a cultural shift and recognise that we're not invincible and that sometimes we do need help and there's no shame in seeking that help we work in an environment where it's supported yeah completely agree and that leads really nicely to this question adam how can a manager support a nurse or a midwife who discloses they have a substance dependency like what are the really important things for that manager to consider well firstly i just want to say i think it's great that there would be a workplace culture out there i'm kind of talking broadly about this needing to change but I'm sure there are cultures out there where a nurse or midwife can approach their manager, not just to disclose, but to put their hand up and say, I need help. I still think we need to see a real shift where that's that's supported. People are able to seek help early rather than drug and alcohol use being detected and being seen as an endpoint to someone's career and then them having to go through the process of justifying why they should be able to to maintain their registration and continue to be a nurse or midwife. But I would definitely say, and I know this through conversations we've had previously, uh, Mark and and Glenn as well, we've had conversations around how managers can do this and self-reporting in depth. And I definitely recommend any manager that has a staff member approach them and seeks help from either of the programs, Nurse and Midwife Support or Nurse and Midwife Health Program Victoria. Again, they're the experts in walking this path. They can provide advice. It meets the aims that we need to in terms of APRA, protecting patients and also supporting our colleagues and getting them to seek help and treatment. I think um, I certainly know from my own practice, we ask about lots of lots of things in mental health, like lots of areas, you know, drug use, people's relationships, domestic violence. It becomes quite normalised suicide as well. 
to ask these questions. And I know there's a bit of a thing in lots of areas of nursing around, I can't really ask that. I certainly get that from students. When I used to go out clinically, would say, I can't believe you just asked them about all of those things in an hour. And it's really normalised. I think we need to normalise lots of this as well, being able to ask questions if people are okay. But I really think that we get worried about you know, what if someone says, no, I'm not, what do we do with that? So that's why I would recommend certainly being in contact with the, the support programs who have worked in this area and have experience with guiding managers who are supporting staff in these areas. Yeah, great point, Adam. Thank you. What um, support do you know that Adam is out there? What programs, perhaps rehabilitation support programs to support nurses and midwives with uh, substance dependency? I mean, apart from contacting us for information and support, I know that Shark, the Self-Help Addiction Resource Centre, working with the ANMFIC branch and the Nurse and Midwifery Health Program Victoria on a specific inpatient serve residential service for nurses and midwives with substance dependency. And we'll have a blog about that as part of this newsletter, which this podcast is about. Do you, are you aware of any other programs, Adam, that nurses and midwives can access? Uh, there's lots of programs specifically, but um, it's great to hear that there's development on a very specific program for nurse and midwives. I think that's fantastic to hear. Lots of very specific programs, but I'd say if you're a bit worried and you want to seek help, but don't want to kind of, or keep it separate from nursing, I'd definitely say a call to someone like Direct Line, run by Turning Point still, I think. Yeah, um, that's right. really, yeah, still run by Turning Point, a really good source of knowledge, counselling, you know, being able to seek more advice on services um, who can help you in your area. I think they're a really great resource. I used to forever give patients their phone number when I worked in drug and alcohol just because it's a service that's available at all times and they're really across everything. So big shout out to those that work on direct line, but it's a really valuable resource kind of sitting outside specific nurse and midwife support. I think you know, all of those generic services are great. We've got lots of services in Victoria. The system's a little bit, um, and I'm going to say piecemeal, but it's a little bit fragmented, I suppose, in the way it's run, as in different services do different things. But, of course, we have from Direct One, they can point you in the direction of services. There's groups like um, Alcoholics Anonymous, Narcotics Anonymous that exist out there, and then we go through to the more formal treatment services lots of them are run by um, non-government organizations or religious organizations you know uniting cares salvation army so there's definitely lots of programs out there um, i've worked in this field and i feel that it can be a little bit tricky to navigate for people hence why i would suggest going to somewhere like um, nurse and midwife support or the victorian program or direct line for for guidance if you feel that you're at the level where you need more intensive support and possibly entering treatment, I would strongly recommend approaching um, to help guide you through the process. And Adam, your research is ongoing. Nurses and midwives interested can still complete that survey. Is that correct? Yeah, the survey is still open. So we've got quite a few results and we're looking at winding it up soon, but it, it's still open at the moment. Uh, we're looking to do another round of interviews. So we're, we're starting to look at what's available in terms of um, interventions for 
alcohol use, you know, apps it usually comes down to, things like the Hello Sunday Morning app, and whether they're suited to us as nurses or midwives. So we will run another round of interviews shortly, and this will inform some work that we're doing around whether, you know, interventions like that, like that Hello Sunday Morning app, work for us as a group. It's it's a very broad kind of general public intervention that's out there, but um, we're a very specific profession, nurses and midwives. We kind of have lots of really interesting little quirks. I mentioned before that we like to to advise people, but we're not so good at taking our own advice. You know, we have a lot of um, things that that oral tradition of this is the way we've always done it. We hand lots of things down by that old show one, do one, teach one kind of philosophy. This is how we do it. So we're we're a very specific, let's say special pair of professions that really need our own intervention. And this is what we're working out now, whether it is feasible for us to have our own specific intervention. So this will feed into more research, but we're really hoping to start releasing some data, hoping to have stuff out by the end of the year. Thanks, Adam. We'll put a link to that survey as part of the show notes for this podcast. And if you're interested in undertaking that um, survey, please do so. The data will be really important in terms of um, informing services um, and the the app. So um, very exciting work, Adam. Thanks for um, for leading that, and it's been great to be part of it. I can't believe we've come to the end of the podcast, Adam. It's such an interesting subject, and I know nurses and midwives will be really interested in that. So as we come to the end, what would you say to a nurse or a midwife who is listening to this and they're suddenly concerned about their substance dependency? I would definitely suggest that they have a look at the Nurse and Midwife Support or the Nurse and Midwife Health Program Victoria website. There's some fantastic resources and I sound like I'm giving your organisations a huge black mark, but I do think that um, that's the ideal place to start. I think there's some fantastic resources there. Great people that run these services who understand nurses and midwives because they are nurses and midwives so I would definitely recommend jumping on the website and having a look and you know you might feel that a phone call might be the way to go to discuss it further so that would be my recommendation Um, I just would like to also acknowledge anyone listening and all the nurses and midwives out there who's working in the midst of the pandemic at the moment I certainly take my hat off to you and I think um you know, there's not a lot of people who will say it, but I'll say it. Thank you. We really appreciate what you're doing. And I take my hat off to you. I think this is probably one of the most difficult things we've ever faced as a profession. So we're thinking about you out there in PPE on the front lines. I couldn't agree more, Adam. I completely reiterate what you've said. And um, if you're listening to this podcast and any of the things that we've spoken about have raised issues for you, please, please reach out for support. You can contact Nurse and Midwife Support for any issue you need support for. Anonymous, confidential and free, and the service is provided 24-7, or via the website nmsupport.org.au. Thanks, Adam. You've been a great guest. I really appreciate your time, your wisdom, and the incredible work and support you're doing, supporting nurses and midwives with um, problematic substance um, use and concerns about alcohol and or drug issues. So thanks again. 
Look after yourselves and each other, everybody. Your health matters. And I'll speak to you next time. Take care. Thank you.